Welcome to another episode of the Low Expectations Podcast. I'm your host, Ty, coming to you here on a football Friday. Haven't been able to say that in a long time. We have a full slate of NFL games, a full slate of college games. Um, It is now back. It is just back. Football is back. And that means the pick show is back. If you guys have followed this podcast at all, um, you kind of know the layout we've done this the last couple years first year we did this we had a great record against the spread second year kind of down a little bit i think we were hovering a little around 500 uh, maybe even a little below um so this year we're going to try and get back to that first year record where i think we were like 15 20 games over 500 just handing out winners so um that's what we're looking to do here hand out winners we're going to be giving six picks um, out from this weekend slate of NFL games against the spread. We are going to keep track of our record all year long, and we're going to see how we do. I'm going to have guests on. I'm going to have different people come and join me, give their picks, have some disagreements, the whole thing. So it should be good, and it should be fun, hopefully, for you guys to listen to. But today, riding solo today for uh, first set of picks, so we'll see how I do. Um, we go off the spread. We use my bookie lines. Um you know, just a VIP with my bookie now. No big deal. Um, but, yeah, shout out them. And we are now going to use their lines. Got the website pulled up. So I'm going to hand out six picks for week one of the NFL. Hopefully we go 6-0. and Let's just dive right in. Oh, actually, I wanted to talk Bucks cowboys before we dived right in because that one was a classic to start the season. That was a very good game to start off what is hoping to be a season full of games just like that. And, I mean – the big question going into the game to me was not really about Tampa. I kind of know what Tampa is going to bring to the table, even though Brady at age 44, it is, if you're a Tampa fan or you're pro Brady, it is nice to see that, okay, yeah, this arm still looks very lively. He was hitting more deep balls than he did last, uh, than he was at any point in his last stretch in New England. You kind of saw that implement more into the, into the Arians offense, right? Arians offense, you're going to stretch the ball down the field. And when Brady originally went there, that was the big question. Like, is this guy going to be able to hit big passes down the field? Well, the answer is yes. Every question we've ever had about Tom Brady, the answer has always been, yep, he can still do it. Yep, he's still good. Yes, his arm is still alive. Um, so I didn't have tons of questions about Tampa because I was honestly expecting Brady to kind of look like that because that's who he is at this point. He's a vampire. He's going to live forever. And I'm if you're waiting for the downfall at this point, it might be a long wait. Like, I mean, I, I was watching a guy yesterday, and people that know me are like, what is Ty talking about? Ty's actually praising Tom Brady for once. What's happening? But people that know me, they will all tell you that like he's I'm not very pro Brady. I've just been very more pro Rogers in those arguments, but but I saw a guy last night that was the best I've seen his arm look in at any point in his New England days, those last three years, not at any point. Cause of course there's 07 Brady, there's 2012 Brady, there's 2010 Brady, there's 04 Brady. There's these different versions of Tom Brady throughout this 22 year career. But I mean, he comes out last night. Okay. Deep out opposite side hash, bang ball on the money. Um, stepping up in the pocket, finding Brown or Godwin down the field. I mean, Godwin dropped a touchdown or he could have had more touchdowns, more yards. Gronk, Gronk turns it on. Like every primetime game, I think you can just expect Gronk to kind of 
turn it up because I think Arians knows what they need out of Gronk. I think Brady knows what they need out of Gronk. In the big games, that guy's going to show up because guess what? He's still only 32 years old and he's the greatest tight end ever. I know there's a lot of miles. He might be 33, but I know there's a lot of miles on that body, but he is the greatest tight end ever. And him, his chemistry with Tom Brady is really second to none. So you just see that offense and it's just rolling on, on all cylinders already. There was a couple mistakes. Uh, the pick wasn't really Brady's fault at all, um, as much as I'd like to hang it on him. And the other one that was on the stats sheet was a Hail Mary. So both picks you can kind of just throw out the window. Um, and, yeah, this team's pretty stacked. And it's really scary to see their offense look like this already because you flip to the other side of the ball and we already know what they have on the other side of the ball. And that's why it was so impressive what Dak Prescott did last night because – um, that was the biggest question to me is how is Dak going to look coming off that horrific injury? We're not even a year to date to when he suffered that injury. So it was really going to be interesting to me and everyone else. Like, how is this guy going to look coming off that horrific of an injury when his arm was or not arm, his foot was literally turned the other way. And he was, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. So what we found out last night, if, and it was something that I, it's two things that I think were predictable um, but we did learn them for fact last night, and that's Dak Prescott still still has got it after his horrific injury. He goes 42-58, three TDs and a pick. The pick was a bad decision. The pick, I, I got to say, it was a bad decision, but still, outside of the pick, Dak was absolutely brilliant in this game, and he's back, and like we know the weapons that, that Dallas has on that offense, so they're going to be a scary offense, but Tampa really could have put, put up even more points. Like, Godwin fumbles at the goal line. They have the tipped pick. That was really weird. They were driving um, before the Hail Mary in the half. They were putting up yards left and right on this on this very, very bad um, uh, Dallas defense. I mean, like, they just cannot cover. Like, that secondary has no chance. They can't cover anyone. They, they're, they're really just bare back there. And... And I, I ultimately, this is why, and if you haven't listened to our preview and like prediction show, this is why I went with Washington in the East and it's only been one game. So, and Washington hasn't even played. They very easily could be one and no two. Um, but the point is Dallas's defense is still bad and they really haven't done much to address it. And this is going to be an ongoing theme. Now, not every week are they going to face Brown, Evans, Godwin and Brady, but like, Still, the point stands with what Dallas's defense is. It's a bottom five defense in this league, and they didn't really show much improvement at all last night. And and I, I know, and I and I got to get this in quickly because it's just too on brand for me not to. Mike McCarthy, guys, like if if you wanted to know why I struggle with him, why I disliked him so much all those years in Green Bay, look at that game. Look at that game. He cannot do anything. With turnovers, he he literally turns into to one of the most like pessimist, like conservative play callers in football. When he gets a turnover, he gets the fumble, three points. They get the pick, missed field goal. Like and and they get a total of like four yards on those two things against a team like Tampa. You one hundred percent cannot do that. And they also got the ball where Godwin fumbled, literally diving into the end zone. So this could have been worse for Dallas. But ultimately, Dak looked great. Amari looked great. CD looked great. I mean, we know the weapons they have. We know what Dallas's offense can bring to the table. 
and now we know Dak is back, and we know Brady still has it, but we also know Dallas's defense is still bad. So you could really see Dallas in a lot of games just like that because of their inability to cover anyone. They can't cover anyone. So you could see Dallas in a lot of shootouts like that. But yeah, like I was saying, main takeaway from those two games and from from that game last night, um, Brady still got it. Dak still got it. So that was fun to watch those two duel it out, especially after the injury Dak has suffered and just Brady doing it at age 44. I mean, he's a vampire. Like I said, he's never going to go away. All right, so that was kind of my thoughts on Dallas-Tampa. Let's dive into the picks because that's what we do on the pick show, dive into picks. So let's go. Um, Six picks for you coming Sunday, uh, and we'll see how we do. I guess I was going to say our record, but we're 0-0 against the spread these will all be against the spread by the way so first pick of the weekend i have the the atlanta falcons minus three and a half against the philadelphia eagles that's the first pick i'm taking falcons minus three and a half this line i think was three a couple days ago a little money has come in on atlanta um here's the thing i am not crazy high on atlanta this year for a lot of the same reasons i'm not too high on dallas i think that their defense is just still has a lot of holes throughout their secondary, their front. Um, I just think that defense is ultimately too flawed for them to be a good, like competitive playoff team. I guess I think Atlanta will be a, a competitive team this year, but I don't know about playoffs and it's because of their defense, but I look in this game and I just think Philly could legitimately be one of the worst teams in the league. I'm all the way out on Jalen Hurts. Yards per pass attempted out of 36 eligible starters, Jalen Hurts ranked dead last. I'm out. I'm out. Like, look, and it's not just, oh, the the small sample size. Look at college. This guy lost his job to Tua. This guy's never been able to throw the ball well like at a highly consistent level other than when, than when he went to Oklahoma and he got Lincoln Riley's gospel and he all of a sudden was chucking it around. But everyone does at Oklahoma, like literally everyone. And I just don't like what I've seen from Hertz. I don't like what I'm seeing from this Philly team. I stand by what I said on the last podcast in Gardner Mentru, you is literally the best quarterback on Philly's roster. And I would feel better about Philly if they were starting Gardner Minshew. Um, But they're not. They're starting. They're starting Hurts. I'm going with Atlanta. I think Atlanta has the better offense full stop, like the better offense full stop, not even close. The game's in Atlanta. Like you look at Atlanta's offense and everyone's, you know, everyone's like, oh, look, you know, they lose Julio. What, you know, what now? But Honestly, like people don't realize the type of receiver Calvin Ridley is. Kyle Pitts is one of those can't miss prospects. I don't come on here saying that a lot about rookies. He's a can't miss prospect. He's literally a cannot miss prospect in every sense of the word. And he is what they look like in like in terms of like what pro players look like. That is Kyle Pitts. He is going to step on an NFL field and be one of the most physically dominant guys on that field. He's just a matchup nightmare he's too quick for linebackers and safeties and he's too big for corners i mean you've heard the argument 
all leading up to draft season why it was fine to pick him in the top five. Like, do you guys realize how fucking special you got to be as a tight end to get picked top five? Like, honestly, do you realize how special you have to be? Like, this kid is very special. I think he's a can't-miss prospect, and I don't see why he's not going to produce day one he steps on the field. Um, so I just really like them. I mean, and whatever you want to say about Matt Ryan – He's always going to put up numbers, and I love Arthur Smith. I think that was a great hire. I think he's going to do well with this offense. I think he's going to do well at like building a culture. And and what I, like I was looking up Ryan's stats real quick. Let me just read you off since two thousand since his MVP year, which was the two thousand sixteen year. Um, so we'll go two thousand seventeen on twenty TDs, twelve picks. Um, that's not great, but he did miss some time. Then he has the next year, 35 touchdowns, 7 picks, 26 touchdowns, 14 picks, 26 touchdowns, 11 picks. I mean, look, you know what you're going to get from Matt Ryan. You're usually going to get probably 11, 12 picks. You're going to get in the mid-20s to 30s and TDs. Like, you know what he brings to the table. And so you look at what they have there on the offense and who they have running it with him at the helm. He's going to put up numbers. Um, and the weapons like Ridley is a legit number one guy. Kyle Pitts is a monster of a tight end. He's going to be a matchup nightmare. Like I've been saying, I, I, ult- I kind of, I'm like, as we get close to the season, I'm, I'm talking myself more and more into this Falcons being a little sleepery. Uh, I don't like them to make the playoffs, but I like them in this spot minus three and a half. And honestly, this is more of a fade on Philly too. In some ways, this is a team I'm really, really low on now. Philly, I was high on all those that run they had with Peterson and, and wins and that defense and Foles comes in and they win the Super Bowl. I remember the year they won the Super Bowl. I said they were going to win the division. And it was like, what? You think the Eagles are going to win the division? Like they were not even thought of as that. And then they went and won the Super Bowl. I loved those teams. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Like I literally loved those teams. And now I just look at this Eagle team. That whole defense is gone. Like the whole defense is gone. And it's obviously a different QB. Wentz was the problem last year. Uh, and then when Hurts come in, I didn't really like what I saw from him. But now he's the guy. They draft Devontae Smith. They have extra picks. They, they're loaded with picks these upcoming years. I just literally think Philly's re- viewing this as a re- kind of a rebuilding year. See what we have in Hurts. We have a lot of draft capital. If Hurts is bad, who cares? We'll just go ahead and pick a QB next year. If Hurts is good, then great you know maybe we surprise some people and we still have a lot of like draft capital so this year is not i about winning games in philadelphia i think it's about finding out what they have and rebuilding after a good run a good solid run i think made the playoffs three straight years in a row won the super bowl once um so they they have some pieces to them and in, in sense that their future is not just completely bleak but for this year, I think it is pretty bleak. This could really be one of the bottom five teams in the league. I, I like Atlanta. I think Atlanta covers this the three and a half, and I think ultimately they win the game. So that's the first pick of six. So we have five more. Next pick I have, we are grabbing the points here. Another early game. This is a good one. Steelers at Bills. I'm taking Steelers. Plus six and a half. You wanted to, it's minus one ten at six and a half. If you wanted to buy that up to seven, seven and a half, you'd probably be looking at minus one thirty range. So I don't think that's like a terrible idea at all. Just if you wanted, if you don't mind dealing with a little more juice. But ultimately, I landed on Pittsburgh six and a half here for one of my picks. Like, look, people are lower on Pittsburgh this year. For I, I think it's fun to be lower on Pittsburgh in in the sense that 
it's fun to call out the team that's going to have the demise that's never had the demise, right? Like, it's good to be like, oh, I was on that side of it. I called it. The Steelers finally had a losing record. Let me just lay this out for you. Mike Tomlin took over the job for Bill Cowher in 07, after the 07 season. So he started in 08. He's, I can just read you off Steelers records since 08, since he's become the head coach. Let me just get this pulled up. But he hasn't had a losing record. He has not had a losing record since he's become the head coach. And I'm getting it pulled up. Just bear with me. Okay, yeah. So 2008, he takes over. They won the Super Bowl with Cowher in uh, 05. Um, oh, he took over in 07. Yeah, he took over in 07. AFC North. These are AFC North standings. And we'll give record two. AFC North, he goes first, 10 and 6. First, 12 and 4. First, 12 and 4. Second, 12 and 4. Third, 8 and 8. Tw- second, 8 and 8. First, 11 and 5. Second, 10 and 6. First, 11 and 5. First, 13 and 3. Second, 9, 6 and 1. Second, 8 and 8. First, 12 and 4. So they've taken third. They've taken third under Tomlin twice. The one year they went 9 and 7. Still winning record, and the other year they went eight and eight. The Pittsburgh Steelers have not bottomed out. They have not had a losing record since 03. Since 03, they went six and ten. That's the last time they had a losing record. And they drafted Ben Roethlisberger, and the rest has been history. So the Thomason Roethlisberger plus solid ass defense has worked. Like that plan has worked to perfection. And I don't see why it's not going to work again this year in the sense that I I fully expect them to have a winning record again and be fighting for the playoffs. And I look at this line and I think it's too high. Bottom line, it's too high. Now, let me tell you why it's too high. I know this this might not make a lot of sense to some of you. Like, what is Ty talking about? That's fine. But my reasoning for this line being too high. Look at these two teams. What would you think of these two teams in the middle of December last year? I'll tell you what Vegas thought of these two teams in the middle of December last year. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers were a two-point favorite going into Buffalo in a Sunday night game. Now the Steelers were 12 and one or 12 and two. So they were uh, like, you know, they had already taken care of the, you know, they were, they were already like one of those top tier teams in the AFC. We were, you know, I think Buffalo was 10 and four. They were coming on at that time. The Steelers were a two point favorite. Now they go to Buffalo, and I understand there's fans. I understand there's been a whole ass offseason. We now have seen Pittsburgh. You know, we saw them crater towards the end of last year. But still, like this line is way out of whack. This line is out of whack. Like I get the the offensive line changes that the Steelers have had. I get all of it. But I look at this, and I think, why is this not a close game? Pittsburgh still has a very good defense. And they have now, you would think, the arsenal in terms of weapons. And if Big Ben's arm is fresh like it was at the first of last year, then I think you might have something here and they can at least keep this game close. Now I picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl. This is not an anti-Buffalo pick. Um, I think Buffalo is going to be damn good. I, I I spent the whole last podcast with Jacob and Seth basically just apologizing to Josh Allen for being so wrong about him. But this game, first game of the season, I think it's a three to four point game. I think you go ahead and grab these six and a half points and you feel good, man. You feel good. Pittsburgh's going to be in this game. I mean, you even look to that game last uh, year and they lose. They lose that game by 11. But 
it was really Stephon Diggs that they could not stop at all. Like Stephon Diggs against the Steelers in that game. Uh, let's just pull up his stat line because it was absolutely insane. He caught like 12 straight passes and and it, it really it really was just Diggs and Allen taking over that game. And they're very, very capable of doing that again. But ultimately, I just think, oh, Diggs, 12 catches, 157 yards against the Steelers um, that Sunday night game. So it, it's it's one of those things that it's like if they can limit that to a little bit, if like a little less, and they have their defense play well, they limit Buffalo on the ground, maybe Josh Allen has a bad pick. Like I just think this game's close. I really do. Like I think these teams, I think Buffalo's a little better. For sure. I, I like I said, Buffalo I think is gonna win the AFC this year. But also Pittsburgh's still a good team. And I think people are so off of Pittsburgh that this is now inflating a line that probably should be like four and a half, three and a half for Buffalo, clear and a half up to six and a half. So I just think grabbing Pittsburgh is a good value play. And I think they at least keep it close. I think Buffalo, you know, definitely probably I mean, they probably win, but I think Pittsburgh can hang around for a while and you'll just feel good having that six and a half points in the back of your pocket. So we'll go ahead and we'll grab the Steelers plus six and a half. So we have Falcons minus three and a half, Steelers plus six and a half. Moving on, we have more picks for you. Next pick, I have the New England Patriots minus three against the Miami Dolphins. Now, Reasoning for this, it kind of honestly falls along the same lines of the Steeler argument, even though now New England's favored. Um, I like New England this year. I think they're definitely going to be fighting for a playoff team. I honestly think New England and Pittsburgh are both going to be in that 10-11 win range. I think both are really solid teams with very, very good infrastructures. And now we're talking about the best infrastructure in the history of football. Like you look at Belichick and – this guy doesn't have losing records either. Even last year, with the, the atrocity of, of that was Cam Newton at the quarterback position, they won eight games. Cam Newton threw eight fucking touchdown passes last year. They won as many games as their starting quarterback threw touchdown passes. And now they're getting Mac Jones in. Now, whatever you want to think about Mac, I thought picking Mac Jones at third would have been pretty, pretty insane. But... Having Mac Jones land to you at 15, that's more than fine. Does this guy have an insanely high ceiling where he could be a league MVP one day? I don't know if his ceiling's that high. I would lean no. Um, but he does have he does have what it takes to, I think, be a very solid starter in this league that always can put up numbers that you just feel good having as your starting QB. And I think that can definitely be what Mac brings to the table. And you if he can bring competence to that position. I was even saying the same thing when they had Cam because it was like if Cam can get ever get healthy because I really think that's what it's been with Cam and I've always been a Cam guy, so I'll just keep saying that like if if they can just get help if like if he could ever just got healthy, I thought this team could have been good, but now they have Mac in there. And it's like if he can just be confident, if he can make the right reads, and you know he's got the best coaching in football, right? Like he's got the best coaches behind him. If he can just make the right reads, put the ball in the right place, get the ball to these playmakers, they went out and spent a lot 
of money. They went and signed two tight ends. They went and signed Aguilar and Bourne. They, they go out and they add weapons to this offense. I think they should have a solid running game. They're getting a bunch of players back from COVID last year. Gilmore's out for a little bit. Um, so their secondary is a little thin, but they still have good players back there. I mean, you know, Jackson and, you know, just Bel- – I mean, it's Belichick, guys. Like, Belichick is has a way – like, even if his defense is bad, he has a way that it's like if it's in the 20s, you know, he's going to give you his fair share of yards. But at the end of the day, when it gets time in the red zone, he's going to dial it up to have one of the best red zone defenses in football. They're going to limit teams to, to field goals. They're going to get off the field on third down. Like, this is Belichick type stuff. And you can't tell me someone like Belichick that the Brady win, Brady winning the Super Bowl the first year without you is not eating at him. Like, it's got to be eating at a competitor like Belichick because all these guys care, care about where they stand historically. All of them. All of them care about their legacy. And how could they not? Like, so you, you're telling me the guy I won with, I won six Super Bowls with, he ditches me and goes wins another Super Bowl the first year? You know that's eating at Belichick. So I, I could see Belichick having a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Like I could see, I could see. I, I like New England. I think I, I really. I could see like Belichick coach of the year. That's one that I think. I mean, he's never got it, and he was never going to get it because of Brady. Like this is a this is a year that it's like you give Belichick coach of the year because he leads this team to eleven and six, seventeen games now, eleven and six, playoffs. Maybe they don't win the division because I'm really high on Buffalo. I think they could go like 13 and four or something. Um, then, yeah, I mean, like I just can see it. So you look at Miami, you look at, and then you flip over to Miami, and it's just like I kind of feel a, a bit different this year. Like I think they really surprised some teams these last year, and then the year before they were expected to be one of the worst teams to ever step on a football field, and they win five games. And so I think they've kind of surprised some people, whereas this year, and I mean, ultimately, all it's going to come down to is Tua and what Tua brings to the table. And they're kind of in a hurt situation, except they picked this kid sixth, not in the second round. Um, But like, I ultimately think Miami might take a little bit of a step back. Maybe they're eight, nine, maybe they're nine and eight, whereas New England kind of propels themselves. And I think you see it right here. Like, I think this is... This is the coming out party. Like, okay, yeah, like Belichick's still Belichick. New England's still New England in the sense that they're going to be a competitive team with or without Tom Brady. And I, I think they they covered this minus three. So that will be the next pick, the New England Patriots minus three at home against the Miami Dolphins. So three down, three to go. We are going to take a break and dive into three more picks. All right, welcome back to the Low Expectations Podcast. I'm your host, Ty, coming to you. Three more picks for week one. Um, first one, another home favorite, uh, another coach I respect. Leaning on a lot of coach is I like going into week one, I think. I'm finding the theme. Uh, Carolina Panthers, minus four and a half against the New York Jets. Look, I just think the Panthers could surprise some people this year. Are they going to be a playoff? T- it's kind of like I'm trying to pick which NFC South team I think is going to surprise people and make the playoffs because I really think all three teams are an option. I mean, obviously, Tampa's the best team in the division. They're going to win the division, barring Brady getting hurt, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, uh, nothing else can happen to where they won't win the division. But these other three teams are all interesting. I mean, you look at them individually, it's like maybe they could make a run. Why not? Why couldn't they fight for a wild card? I feel that way about all three 
other NFC South teams, but I think I ultimately land on none of them making the playoffs. But I look at Carolina and I think very good front four. Um, they have had a good front four since the Ron Rivera days. Um, they have a solid defense where they're putting pieces on it. They're piecing things together. I love the rookie corner, J.C. Horn, out of South Carolina. That kid is a dog. I think he's going to turn into a fan favorite and also a corner that fans, other fans of teams dislike because he talks a lot and he plays aggressive. He is handsy. He is physical. You plug in some J.C. Horn tape, and that's how you teach young corners how to play the position. He plays it textbook. He is up in people's grills. He's running stride. I think that kid has a chance to be special. Big J.C. Horn fan over here, low expectation. Um, but I just look at Carolina, and this is almost like I like them. I and and it's it's almost more just like I like the coach and I like the QB. Like I, I look, guys. Darnold had no chance with Gase in New in in New York. None, zero. No QB, rookie QB has a chance with Adam Gase as their play caller slash head coach, driving them into oncoming traffic i guess would be the analogy like imagine like i don't even know the analogy but you just cannot trust matt gaze with a young talented quarterback and that's exactly what sam darnold was this kid's still a top five pick you get him here with matt rule who this guy's a program builder what i was saying about urban in the the, the preview podcast when we talked about jacksonville that's Matt Rule in with obviously not the pedigree and much less success, not the national championships, but <laughs> sold out all the good things. But he's a program builder. He goes to Baylor after they're god awful. They win. They I think they either won one game or they were winless, and they make the Big Twelve title game. Like Matt Rule has ascended to where he's going because he's a program builder. Exactly the type of coach you want with a young QB. He's had success in college, and now he's just trying to do it. Here in the pros, funny enough, Jets really wanted to hire Matt Rule. Who knows what could have happened? He And now he gets Darnold in Carolina. I, I look at Carolina. I like some of the pieces on the defense, like I said. I love Matt Rule. I think Darnold is talented. And then you look at their weapons. Robbie Anderson, I think, is an underrated receiver. Curtis Samuel is an underrated receiver. They have guys that are literally – DJ Moore is an underrated receiver. Like Carolina is like one of those – it's the hipster team. So no, no wonder I'm falling for it. It's the – Really talented QB that a lot of people like coming out now and with his second chance and a much better head coach. It's all these gadget little receivers that are better than what people think they are. They are not just fantasy guys that get yards. These guys are legit good players. Like I think uh, Curtis Samuel is just legit flat out good. Like that. That's it. Like, I was telling that last year. Like, can, is there any way Green Bay can go get this guy as a gadget guy? Like he is so good, and so's DJ Moore. And Robbie Anderson was a perfect speed. Uh, addition to that core when they go and get him last year he's perfect for those underneath guys i mean he can break it over the top over anybody so i just think there's a chance that carolina surprises some people and then you look at the jets there's no chance they surprise anyone they're going to be terrible they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league and i say this as a guy that really believes in zach wilson if you told me in five years zach wilson is the best quarterback from the 2020 uh, one NFL class, like I would, I wouldn't call you crazy. I mean, I think this kid is special. The arm angles, all of it, like the mobility, the the arm strength, everything he has in his arsenal 
it screams this kid is going to be a good professional QB, but this is not the year. And the Jets know this is not the year for them to compete and win. They're going to flash at times. They're going to be like, oh, wow, look at this throw from Zach Wilson to Elijah Moore because they have some pieces. And talk about coaches, Sala, they get him from San Francisco, defensive guy, going to try and turn that defense around. How do you feel about that? And then picking a QB, I think I'd kind of like it better if they went offensive or my like offensive like minded head coach there. But also I think I'm kind of just more of an offensive guy. Like I think Sala could be really, really good. Like really a really good coach. Like, I mean, all anybody knows about Sala is him like screaming during Niner games, but it's like, this guy is a guy that is clearly one of the best defensive minds in football. And he put the Niners having a good defense. Like the Niners had statistically a top 10 defense last year with having most of their starting defense on IR. So we've seen Sala work magic with kind of scraps and put together a really solid unit with scraps and a lot of guys on the injury. So maybe he can do that with the Jets. But I just think ultimately they're too young to win games right now. And that's why I, I think just minus four and a half here. Like I think the Panthers win by a touchdown, 10 points. And I think you just grab this four and a half and it's like, oh, do I really want to lay that with a bad team? Look, Carolina's not a bad team. They're not. The Jets are. They're not. Panthers are going to be better than they were last year. There's a chance they make the leap into like fighting for a playoff spot. I really think that with Darnold. I mean, if Darnold is just who he is and he's like permanently broken, then just throw whatever I've said out the window the last 10 minutes. But I really think he could do well with a much more respected head coach in the industry and better weapons. He has three better receivers than he ever had in New York, right in Carolina right now. So I think there's reason for optimism for the Panthers. I'm grabbing a minus four and a half. Okay, two picks left. These next two, and this next one especially, people are going to freak, I think. But just bear with me, and let's grab the Houston Texans plus three. Um, I, that's my fifth pick. Uh, one more after this. I'm grabbing Texans plus three. They're a home dog against a team that I think is really favored because Trevor is who Trevor is. Urban is who Urban is. And everyone thinks the Texans are going to be the worst team in the league, which they very well might be. Let me take you back to last year. Jaguars went 1-15, ended up with the with the worst record in football, um, and ended up landing Trevor Lawrence, the, the prize that everyone had been waiting. When's this kid going to? You know, when's he leaving Clemson? Ever since high school, this guy's been a prodigy. He's They get him, and it all works out for him. Why could the exact same scenario not happen to the Houston Texans this year? Maybe not get their QB. Who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun? Uh, that'll be the last time we mention him on the pod. He's not this year. He's not playing this year. Um, but Texans plus three. Look, Tyrod is serviceable. Whatever anyone wants to say about this guy, he is a serviceable QB. This is a team full of veterans. Like, this is a team – David Johnson is the running back, right? Like, you, like this is a team that has some some of, some guys like that. Like, you look at the, the receivers on the Texans, and it'll almost just it'll, – it'll really <laughs> – It'll it'll make you kind of chuckle and make you kind of laugh because it's like, okay, that's not even that bad. You know, it's Brandon Cooks, Chris Conley, and Anthony Miller. Like you, you have worse receiving cores. Brandon Brandon Cooks is a guy that's gonna see a lot of targets. And I know it's only a matter of time till he feels hurt, but it's like you look at this 
you look at this starting the depth chart. You got Tyrod, you got Ingram, Mark Ingram, their running back, and Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. And then you got Cooks, Conley, and Miller. Their their offense line is a bunch of no names that no one would ever hear of. And then you flip to the other side, and it's not much better, but you still have guys like Zach Cunningham, Christian Kirksley, who was horrible last year, Whitney Merciless. Like it's not, you know, it's I mean, they're clearly gonna be one of the worst teams in the league. But my point here for this pick in, is that why can't they go win the week one game against a rookie head coach, a rookie QB, one of the youngest rosters in the league overall? Why could this veteran team that everyone and their mom is counting out, everyone is expecting Houston to go 1-16, and 2-15. and 15. They're expecting Houston to have the worst record in the league, either them or Detroit or the Jets. I feel like those are the three kind of candidates right now before we start the season for like worst record. I think it's definitely those three, three teams. So yeah, I mean, is it going to be the Lions? Is it going to be the Texans, the Jets? Is it going to be surprise team? I don't know, but like going into the year, those three teams are definitely kind of the favorites to have the worst record in football. So I get why some of this sounds stupid, but it's like, this is a young Jacksonville team going on the road facing a veteran-led team. I mean, these all these guys are going to get hurt. Like, all these Texan players are going to get hurt. All these veterans. Um, but you're seeing veterans on the team as of right now, and I think you could see them kind of rally together, put one kind of shocking performance together. It's not even shocking. It's a three-point line, and they're at home. But And they just win the game. So this this line's basically saying that the Texans would be nine-point underdogs to the to the Jags if this game was in Jacksonville. How does that make sense? So again, I'm just grabbing the value and I think the Texans could win the game. So I'm getting points with a team that I think can win the game. So that's my fifth pick, Texans plus three. Mock me as you want. But I think that that's a winner. Okay, last pick of the uh, weekend. We're actually going to Monday night and it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this team is getting killed with injuries. Every day you wake up to the, another Raven tearing their ACL or going on the IR or something. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Obviously, it matters to a certain extent, but I don't think it's going to matter this week. They still have Lamar. He's the like the funny thing about Lamar, whatever you want to say about Lamar, he is one of the most dynamic players in football with the ball in his hand, no matter what you want to say. And in the regular season, he's unstoppable. You cannot... You cannot – they're not an easy team to, to guard. Like I really don't think – if they don't look anything but unstoppable at all times, people are like, what the fuck's going on with Lamar? Like, dude, this this offense is co- consistently one of the best offenses in the league because of what this kid is doing. I think they're going to put up major points against an Oakland defense that I just think talent-wise, even with Baltimore's injuries, is completely outmanned. I think Lamar's going to have a big day on the ground and through the air. I think he continues to silence the haters. I'm with you, Lamar. I continue to be with you. These these haters, man, like they're not they're they don't see the talent you have and what you bring to the table. This kid is easily one of the most he's the best show in football. Lamar Jackson is easily the most exciting player to watch in football. Like get out of my face. Like these haters are ridiculous when it comes to this kid. There's no one I'd rather watch. I, I mean this. I mean this. As much love as I have for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, as a neutral observer, as a neutral observer, the best show in football is Lamar Jackson. The best show in football is Lamar Jackson. And I think he puts on a show once again. Ravens cover minus four. So that's going to do it for um, 
I'm low on Oakland this year too. I just, I think, I mean, every year they're like, okay, time to replace car. Well, we didn't replace car <laughs> every year, three years going on now they've done that. So I, I just think Baltimore rolls. I think Baltimore rolls in Vegas's new stadium. And I think Lamar puts on another show. He's gifted. He's very special. Stop hating on him. That's going to do it guys. Uh, so the picks it, it, just to run them down real quick. We have Ravens minus four at the Los Angeles Raiders. We have the New England Patriots minus three home for the Miami Dolphins. We have the Atlanta Falcons minus three and a half home for the Philadelphia Eagles. We have the Houston Texans plus three home for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then to finish it out, we have minus four and a half for the Carolina Panthers home for the New York Jets and plus six and a half, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road at the Buffalo Bills. So that's the picks, guys. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the football. Go Packers. Go BYU. Beat Utah. Let's do this. Let's have a fun weekend. I'm glad football's back. Okay, I'll do it for y'all. Football! Let's go. Enjoy the weekend.